Let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, gracious Heavenly Father, we ask you to watch over us as we study your word and read, learn, and inwardly digest it that we might increase in faith and trust in you and in your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to suffer, bleed, and die to forgive us all of our sins. In his holy, precious name we pray. Amen. All right, we were uh, talking last time a little bit about who God is and how we know what we know about God and what we know about God. We've kind of been talking through some of his attributes, and so that's on page six. Uh, we're just going to pick up there, and uh, after we talk, we have a couple more attributes we want to talk about, uh, and then we want to talk about how all the things that exist came into existence uh, and what they looked like when they were first created. Uh, and then if we get an opportunity, we'll go into that next one, which is the fall into sin, uh, lesson three. Um, we'll see how far we get. Uh, you know, us pastors, we like to talk and talk and talk. And so we'll do our best to get to lesson three today. And if we don't, we'll just um, wrap up lesson two. We had talked last time about um, attributes of God, that God is spirit, that God is eternal, that God's unchanging, that he's all-knowing, uh, that he's uh, all-powerful, and that he's all-present or uh, everywhere uh, he is. Uh, and so we're kind of there uh, most of the way down where we have um, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. So let's start with Leviticus there, Leviticus 19.2, if somebody would like to read that. Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Holy. Does anybody know what holy means? And note there's no E in the end there. It's not holy like uh, the pheasant is after you pull the trigger, right? It's holy uh, as, as God is holy. Anybody have a definition? Reverend. Yeah, reverence has something to do with it. Um, anybody else want to take a stab? Yeah, we use that word all the time, right? And we never do a very good job of defining it. Holy has to do with being set apart from other things uh, for specific use. Uh, being set apart as uh, uh, more important or better, uh, things like that. So God is holy. He's set apart from all other things. He's his own special thing. That's what holy is. Uh, and in fact, he's the holiest holy of all holies. Uh, you can say that uh, three times fast. You're in good shape. Uh, how about the next one? Deuteronomy 32. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. All right. God is just. And this is one that maybe has gotten uh, redefined and misdefined in our world today. What does the word just mean? Buddy, we even use the word in, in our legal system. We have justices of the Supreme Court. What does that mean, just? Just means that you get what you have coming to you. Okay? If you do something wrong, justice or being just with that means you pay the price for that wrong or that that price is paid somehow. 
Um, so if you speed, true justice would be you got a ticket every single time, which means none of us would be driving, right? Um, if you accidentally ran over somebody's leg and it had to be amputated, justice would say your leg gets cut off also. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, everything has to get paid for that deserves to be paid for. That's justice. And this is one that's really frightening when we think about God is just. Because what have we done according to what God's laws say? We broke them all. So what do we deserve from God? Damnation, hell, punishment. Uh, that's what God's justice demands. Um, that's the reality of our sin. God's justice demands that it's paid, and God is just. Now, if we skip down a couple to the very bottom there, God is also gracious, which means... God has paid for the sin that we've done, not by punishing us, but by punishing someone else. Jesus. Jesus is the one who received God's just punishment in our place on the cross, suffering all hell and damnation in our place. It's kind of like if, um, um, if Rich... Our elder in the back, if Rich secretly murdered 25 people and he got caught and went to trial and they said, we're going to put you to death. How do they do that in Nebraska now? Lethal injection. We're going to give you lethal injection, Rich, for being a serial murderer. And um, that's the just punishment. Jesus shows up takes Rich's place and dies for the sin that he's done. That's God's grace. And we even we call that justification, where Jesus pays the price for the sin that we have done. Um, the, uh, the book, A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, uh, deals with that as well. It's, it's worth a read. It's not an easy read, but it's worth it. It talks about that a lot. Questions about just and maybe even grace. Grace would be um, undeserved mercy and care and love. Um, and, and so those two are flip sides of the same coin of God. And so if, if, um, if we don't think about Jesus and talk about Jesus and we don't believe in Jesus, we're left with only a just God and we deserve to be punished for our sin um, without Christ taking our place, which is why, as Lutherans, the thing we want to talk about more than anything else, and hopefully that you hear in every one of the sermons that Pastor Poppy or I preach, uh, or the vicar, is Jesus taking our place under God's just punishment. Um, the ones that everybody likes, maybe we hear about all the time, God is also good and kind, 
and merciful, uh, and we kind of know those ones. Um, you know, we even, the, the favorite hymn for so many people is Jesus, um, not Jesus is a friend of mine, but what is it? Um, yeah, what a friend we have in Jesus. There we go, right? We, we all know that, and that's the Jesus that everybody talks about. We can't have that God without all the other parts of God as well. So there's some attributes of God, and as we go through the rest of it, hopefully you see how those kind of fit in in all the different places. Any questions about God and who he is and how we know who he is and, and what he is and what he does? Uh, not a question, just really quick. Uh, God is good, God is faithful, and gracious, He saves us from our sins, yep. takes our place. Does that mean we can do whatever we want? Um, no. Uh, the example I like to use with that question is this. Um, when I was a kid, my brother and my cousin were playing baseball uh, in the front yard, just throwing the ball back and forth, playing catch. And my cousin threw the ball errantly through the back windshield of my dad's, I think it was like a Chevy Blazer or whatever, uh, and the window shattered. Now, that was not good. My dad came out and saw it, and he said, not a big deal, you're forgiven, accidents happen. What would have happened if every day for the next month, my cousin threw the baseball through my dad's windshield every time he got it fixed? After the 10th time, do you think there would be as much grace? <laughs> and, and it's not that God's grace lessens or anything, but um, because we are forgiven and we live in that grace, we try really hard not to throw the baseball through the window again. Does that make sense? Kind of a good example to understand that. It might might it happen again? Yes. Sure, right? Um, my my cousin and my brother do not play major league baseball. They cannot throw the ball exactly where they want it to be every time. Uh, it might happen, but yet we try really hard not to uh, because we've received forgiveness and grace. Repentance is absolutely necessary. Yes. Our whole Christian life is a life of repentance. And daily we try to drown our sinful nature uh, and so the new man might arise. Yeah, definitely. Okay. To finish up lesson two, we want to talk about creation and where everything came from. And we as Lutherans and as Christians do not believe what you probably learned um, in science class in school, right? That uh, uh, 13.6 billion years ago, an infinitely small, infinitely dense point of nothingness suddenly on its own expanded uh, faster than the speed of light um, to create everything that we see now, right? We call that what? Bang the Big Bang Theory, right? And I'm not talking about the show with Leonard and Sheldon, but uh, rather the belief that everything that exists came from one point 13.6 uh, billion years ago, and that all that we know was once smaller than an atom in, in space, the singularity. Um, we disagree with that. We disagree that everything came about on its own. 
We believe that God is the one who brought all things into existence, uh, that God spoke things into existence with the power of his word, and that he's still calling things into existence right now uh, by the power of his word. The whole reason we exist is because God says, let us be, and we are, uh, as a result of that. And this is one that... Um, there is a lot of conflict between us and the world right now, um, and yet, I, I, I mean, I think here that uh, our position is, is not that difficult to defend. We believe something made everything. The, the Big Bang people believe everything came about on its own. And we can have a long discussion about this if you want to. We can talk about entropy. We can talk about um, uh, relativity and all that stuff. I'm happy to do that. Uh, or we can just do the real basic what we believe thing, whatever you prefer. If you have questions, feel free to ask them about this too. But we have Genesis 1-1 that tells us uh, how all things came about. And just happens, Pastor Poppy was talking about this in confirmation on Wednesday, so we have notes up here too. <laughs> Uh, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And right there we see how all things uh, came about by God's bidding. And it happened in the beginning, right? Um, one place physics tells us, one thing they tell us is that how many dimensions are there? There's height. There's width, which keeps growing for whatever reason, and there's length, right? And there's also a fourth one, which is time, right? Uh, the reason that we can move is because we're also traveling through time, the fourth dimension. When did God create? In the beginning. In the beginning. At the start of time, God made height, width, length, and time itself. Before that, there was nothing in the world that we comprehend and understand that we live in, God already existed, had already existed, and will always exist, independent of time. He came down into time in Jesus, but otherwise he already exists outside of the universe that we comprehend. And the universe we comprehend is his creation. In the beginning, God created. Uh, the word created there in the Hebrew is uh, barashith. And that word bara is a special word that means made from nothing. Or is the Latin is creatio ex nihilo, creation from nothing. None of us are able to do that. Okay? Um, the clothes you're wearing... How did they get made? Right? Let's just pretend we're wearing cotton because that makes it a little easier. <laughs> cotton, uh, the, the cotton shirt you have was woven by Haynes, who got thread, which came from a cotton plant that they, they harvested and they made into thread and that was planted from a seed that came from another cotton plant, how did it get its beginning? It made from all those other things through those steps. Or if, uh, if you're like uh, a Mr. Kirk in the back there, you, you like spandex, which is the same thing except it's made out of, 
whatever spandex is made out of. We can trace it, but never can we get all the way back to where it was made from nothing. God created everything from nothing. He didn't take something and make it into something else. He created it out of nothing. And that's what that word in the Hebrew means, bara. He made it out of nothing. And no physicist or scientist or chemical engineer can do that. We can only take something that already exists and change it to make something. Whether that means cutting down the tree or combining two chemicals so that a third one is made, um, you know, setting on fire oxygen and hydrogen so that it creates water. We can't make something from nothing. Only God does that. And the word God created means that's what happened. And it says the heavens and the earth, the Mayim and the Shemayim in the Hebrew, um, that means all the stuff that's up there and all the stuff that's down here. All of it, God created. Okay? Um, and we see up here on the chalkboard the things that he created. He created light. He created the sky and the waters. He created the land uh, and the seas, the vegetation on the land. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. And this is an important one, too, because why does God create all those stars and the sun and the moon? Sun and the moon are maybe easy, right? Um, what's that? To follow a direction. Yep. The way that we learned how to travel north versus south is because of the sun and the moon and the stars. How do we learn, uh, you know, a thousand years ago, how did people know when to plant the wheat and when to harvest the wheat? Yeah, what stars were up in the sky? That's where the calendar comes from. How do you know there's 365 days in a year? Because it takes 365.24 days for the same constellation to be in the same spot in the sky every year. Okay, um, and the Hebrew calendar even does more with that. Their months were based upon the phases of the moon. A new month started every full moon. And so they would have a 28-day month. Okay, um, their days start in the evening at sunset. From sunset to sunset is one day. There was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day. That's the way their calendar was, and they can tell all of it by the sun and the moon and the stars. They can tell time because God created that ability in the sky. Fish and birds, land, animal, and peoples, all these things God brought about, as we see in Genesis 1-3, using nothing except for his word. Let there be light, and there was light. Um, I always tell the confirmation kids, I wish I could do that. Because every day when I got home from school, I'd say, let there be pizza, and there would be, and it would be good, <laughs> except I'd probably weigh 800 pounds, but. Pastor, you said good, and in Genesis, doesn't, uh... God describes creation as good a lot of times. Yeah. So what, what, is, what, is the, what does that mean? Because like nowadays we say, oh, how, how was your day? It was good. It's kind of average. Or, you know, how are you feeling? Or how was the... 
how was your meal? It was good. Right. It, was, it was average. But what did what did that what does that good mean in the Bible when God describes something as good? Um, seven times during creation, God says everything is good. The last time, he doesn't just say good, he says it is very good. Um, a boker tov, I think is how he says it. Very good. Um, the word good there means that everything is perfect without sin, without death, without suffering, without uh, weeds or um, unnecessary pain and suffering that has to do with all the things that we experience now. When God created everything, it was good because it reflected the one who called it into existence, God. Uh, and as we get into lesson three, we'll find out why things are not good now. Um, that's kind of what it means. Everything's perfect. So it's a and, different kind of good than what we would use today. Right. It's not like, you know... Um, it's not like God said, oh, I, I made the animals and they were okay. Right. They were... I hate to do this example right now, but it's kind of like Alabama is good at football, right? Um, that's, that's what we say now, right? But do they have places where they're not very good? Do they have weaknesses? Is every player perfect? No, and how do we know that? Because if we played them against the Patriots, would they win? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But not necessarily. Right? And even if we get to the NFL, where all the best players are, uh, what's the saying? Any given Sunday, one team could beat another team. Because every team has weaknesses. That's not what God's saying. When God said it is good, there were no imperfections or weaknesses. Um, Exodus 20, uh, we have this reinforced for us not only in the beginning. When God creates everything, he does it in six 24-hour days. Um, the word is used, yom, which is only ever used for a 24-hour day. There are some Christians who would say, how do you know how long a day was? Maybe it was, you know, a billion years that God took to create light or whatever. And we say, well, that's not what Jesus said. And that's not what Exodus says. It says it was a 24-hour day. And it's not a surprise to us that God could create all the universe in six 24-hour days because he is almighty and all-powerful, uh, as we learned about last week. Okay? Um, the, uh, the millions of years thing per, per, day, per day, as some Christians believe, or other people believe, it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, because that means death happened prior to the fall of Adam and Eve. Right. Which is an issue, and, and as we talk about the fall into sin, we'll see why that is important. God created Adam and Eve to live forever, um, it's because of their sin that they don't. And if, if I might, um, going back a little bit, most people don't think about this, and others who do consider it a contradiction in the Bible. The sun and the moon and the stars was created on the fourth day, but light was created on the first day. That sounds like a contradiction. So 
What is the light on the first day? It's light, and it's everywhere. And then God, all-powerful, can do what he wants with it. Uh, he moves it where he wants it, when he wants it. Uh, he moves it after this day to make it come from the sun, the moon, the stars. Even the light that comes from very distant stars, he had leave those stars uh, before those stars were. He's able to do that. Um, I think an interesting, so physics explains it differently, but uh, have you seen their, I think it's called the WMAP, uh, where they got a picture of the earliest things that exist in the universe, uh, the cosmic background radiation. If you look as far away as you can look, what's the thing that you see? Light. Light everywhere. <clears throat> um, it, it's been shifted so that it is not visible to our eyes, but that's what's there. The farthest away thing that anybody can see is light. So I don't know if that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it's fine. Um, but one of the things that people didn't bring up was, well, we know that that star is 13 million light years away, so that means 13 million years to get here. So. <laughs> I no, that does not mean that. It means God called those beams of light into existence um, when He said, "Let there be." Light. It's no different than a, a, a redwood tree that's however many years old. When God created the trees, he didn't make them as uh, saplings. He had full mature trees. He had little, you know. Right. S same with the light, the distance, and the stars. It was, it was, you know. And and what's the reason that God made everything the way it is? What's the creation for? What? To sustain life. To sustain life. Specifically, what life does God care about that he put here? Yeah. Humanity. Can you imagine if God created everything as seeds and then created Adam and Eve? Uh, he created the stars, the distances away that they are, and let their light begin at that time. Adam and Eve would be cold. <laughs> they would be hungry and it would be miserable. God created everything grown up and ready so that it would sustain Adam and Eve and their progeny, us, uh, ready to go when they were placed there. Question, uh, other questions? I mean, th this is a place I like the physics of it. Um, even the Big Bang Theory people, they, they say, we can explain everything, but they can't. <laughs> There's uh, structures that exist in the universe that are too large to exist from the Big Bang Theory. Um, there's troubles with um, getting the universe to be as uniform as it is. They have to make a period of inflation where the universe expands from the size of a grape to the size of a volleyball much, much faster than the speed of light. Uh, otherwise, things wouldn't look the way they do. And that doesn't sound like it should actually happen. But to make the universe exist the way that they want it to, they have to bend some rules and laws to make that happen. And that's so, why it shouldn't be called a theory. A theory is something that you can test. Right. They can't test that. 
No. All right. We talked a little bit about it. The whole creation is created for humanity so that God can have a people to interact with and love and care for. And so we also have um, not just Genesis 1 that talks about the creation of the universe, but also we have Genesis 2 that talks specifically about the creation of humanity. And it's not a different account of creation. It's like if we were looking at uh, all of Memorial Stadium from a picture, that's Genesis 1. And then if we zoomed in specifically on uh, two or three people sitting in the stadium, that's Genesis 2. We're, we're zooming in on a specific part of the creation. And that's what happens here in Genesis 2. The Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. God had made all the heavens and the earth, all these things here, uh, and God gets down in the dirt, and he pushes the dirt together, and then he speaks life into the man. He breathes the Holy Spirit of life into the man, and he becomes a living thing. God creates the man in his image, specifically in the image of who Jesus is going to be when Jesus comes. Um, Jesus is not a, Jesus becoming man, the incarnation, is not a backup plan of God. God always planned to send Jesus um, going to the cross and dying to forgive us our sins. Uh, that's what Jesus has to do as a result of our sin. But it's still, we're created in the image of Jesus. Um, we also then have um, creation of woman. Where does she come from? We don't have that one here, but God takes a hunk of the man, pulls it out, and makes it into a woman. And the words say uh, that she's a helpmate, and our English language does not do that word any justice. It does not mean that she's like your helper, like like my uh, four-year-old son is my helper when I'm doing something, right? Go get a screwdriver. Uh, it has more so to do with the fact that they reflect each other, right? My left hand and my right hand, they match when they go together. That's what that word there in the Hebrew is really saying. Um, you notice too, where did God take the woman? From the side, right? So that she's there to be next to the man, right? That they are on the same level playing field. God did not create her from his foot, right? That I've got my foot on her neck all the time and got her in her place, right? It's, it's not. There's a sense of equality there. God also did not create her from his head as if she's above. We have this sense that they're on the same playing field. Are they the same? Right? Guys, why do you like the girl you're with? Because she is different, right? Girls, why do you like the guy? Do, do I need to go into detail here? Or with, okay. Okay. So there is that. And, and that's important. And I, Paul talks about that more in Ephesians chapter... Um, I think Ephesians chapter 5, um, and what that is. So God creates the man, 
God creates the woman. God joins the two of them together uh, in marriage. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What God had torn off and made two, he puts back together in marriage to be one. And that's the way husband and wife are to be. So this is a great thing, too, because God creates the gift of marriage before the fall into sin. Marriage, then, before sin, God looks at everything and he says, it is very good. He's also talking about the man and the woman being married, husband and wife. That's very good. Um, we've, we, in our sin, we've definitely messed that up, right? Um, I mean, I think probably all of our families have been touched by divorce in some way. You know, my grandparents were many, many years ago. Um, we, um, we see all sorts of other corruption in marriage that's been going on, especially for the last couple hundred years. Um, that's not the way God intended it. It's the way our sin has made it. All right. Um, we're out of time almost here. All of that is summarized then in the Catechism, and you see it's listed there at the bottom of page 7 with the uh, first article of the Creed. God made me in all creatures. He given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses. He gives me clothing, shoes, food, drink, house, home, wife, children, land, animals, all that I have, all that I need to support my body and life. God is giving it to me. That is teaching us creation, how God is providing for us right now. And it's not like God provided it in the past and then abandoned us. He still is taking care of us even now. Uh, I'll notice God provided clothes for all of us here this morning so that none of us had to come to church naked, right? Um, God provided food for us, uh, some more for us than others, right? I've... Um, Pastor Poppy remembered me when I was in high school here, and now I'm not quite the high school weight. And he's pointed that out several times. He says, you're twice the man you used to be. <laughs> so I said, not quite twice. I'm more one and a half times the man, right? But um, um, God is the one who provides all that stuff for us through means, of course. But uh, he's taking care of us, providing for us every day. All right, any questions? We're kind of out of time, but we can answer. What does it mean that God created us in his image? I mean, does that mean that Adam looked like God or Adam looked like Jesus? Or is that something different? It means that the creation of Adam reflects who Jesus is going to be in that God created Adam. Um, yes, Adam looks like Jesus and that uh, Adam was a man and that uh, Adam was living uh, and all that. But also, in the beginning, Adam reflected Jesus in the sense that Adam had no sin and that Adam was going to live forever. It's that image of God that mankind loses that we'll have to learn about next week with the fall into sin. Um, and, and we could talk more about how that image was lost. And even Adam and Eve's children when they have their children, they don't make them in God's image anymore. They make them in their own image. That sin gets passed on generation after generation. We even say that in the baptismal rite. Uh, when we baptize a baby, we say that all sin which they have inherited from Adam, 
uh, might be drowned and die in the waters of baptism. When your name as the pastor doing the baptism is Adam, and uh, you know, you're holding your own baby here to baptize it, and you say, the sin they inherited from Adam, your wife goes, yeah, it was your fault. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, <laughs> any other questions? Why don't we close the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.